Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and we've got a special guest with us today, Miss Haley, who uh, tells us all kinds of good things to read and has probably contributed as much to us as anybody in that department. And now we're going to talk with her because another book that uh, I know she was banging the drum for this one and then Julie read it and then I read it. And if the three of us couldn't find anything too awful to say about it, it's probably a pretty darn good book. So it's anyway, an amazing book. Anyway. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, Julie, what do you have to talk about in terms of recent reading? I feel like I've read nonstop for the past two weeks and I realized I've only read three books, so I have not read very much. Um, but the first one that I finished was Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Stradle. He wrote uh, The Logger Queen of Minnesota. And then there was like Kitchens of the Great Midwest, maybe. I really liked Logger Queen. I don't think I finished the Kitchens book. And this one felt somewhere in between to me. Have you read this one, Haley? Okay. Um, this one just felt somewhere in between because um, it followed a family at a supper club in that same like northern Midwest setting that he always writes about. Um, I really liked the food writing aspect of it. I feel like this author writes that really well. I'm not saying, yeah, I feel like they write food really, really well um, and characters really well, but I couldn't stick with it all the way through the way I thought I should be able to, so Anyway, then I read Happy Place by Emily Henry, and she's one of my all-time favorite authors, so I loved this one. I, my favorite thing about Happy Place was that it was all about places. Um, this group of six friends always meets every year at their um, little beach house. One of their families owns the beach house, and they meet there every year, and it has become just this home for a group of friends who doesn't necessarily have homes elsewhere. And they meet there this year. Every single one of them is covering up secrets, and it's going to be their last year because of the place is being sold. So it's a really great book. I love books about settings. I love books about places that have great meanings, and so I really like this one. And then the last one I read was Practice Makes Perfect. I got it at Parnassus last weekend, a couple of days before it came out. It's by Sarah Adams, um, who's a Nashville writer. And it's just a fun little book all the way through. It's a continuation of her Rome, Kentucky series. Um, I think her first book in that was called When in Rome. And so it's just following characters in the same little fictional town in Kentucky. And I'm a sucker for books set in Kentucky. So it was just very cute all the way through. And she Who's certainly next? had a large audience uh, there to meet her, get autographs, get pictures with her in uh, in Nashville. That was kind of a crazy day, but yeah, it was the first time that we'd ever done um, independent bookstore day. And so every time I've been to Parnassus, I've been in and out with signing lines and everything. And I was in that signing line for an hour, but then I saw Ann Patchett, and I've never seen her at Parnassus either. So <laughs> That's exciting. It was all worth it. <laughs> Ann Patchett sighting and. Uh, Fun day. What, what's the other little shop we went by in Nashville? Oh, the bookshop in Nashville. That was a really fun one, too. It's tiny, but it's really cute. And the books look really, really well curated. It's super crowded, so we didn't stay very long. But That's the department there. Carmichael's in Louisville, right, Haley? Any others? That's right. Yeah. We have a – it's it's trying to get off the ground. I think it's called Fox, the Fox books or something like that and it's a mobile bookstore <clears throat> that Ooh. is kind of like a pop-up and it comes around every now and then I'll have to look up the name and and make sure that I'm getting that right but yes Carmichael's is our go-to good folks at Carmichael's I only we read two books this time around so I have even less to talk about but I'll 
talk through those. Uh, they're both baseball books, and if the app ever opens, I'll tell you the name of the first one, and if not, we'll leave it a mystery. The Greatest Summer in Baseball History, it has a long subtitle, John Rosengren wrote it. It's about 1973, so he was doing one of those deals where it's 50 years on, you tell the story, uh, you know, kind of a blow-by-blow account of what happened in 1973, but that was uh, a pretty interesting season. The A's win the World Series. Um, the designated hitter comes in in 1973. So that was one of the big stories he covered. Otherwise, a lot of the stuff happening in 1973 is a lot of the stuff happening in 2023. Uh, attendance lags some places. Are they going to leave town? Are the fans mad? And what do they like the new rules? Do they not like the new rules? Uh, you know, change the details and the story is the same. The other one, the more interesting of the two, I suppose, that I got was a book called The Umpire is Out by Dale Scott with uh, my buddy Rob Nyer. And I stumbled onto this book because I tried to read all of Rob's stuff, and this would have been out for a year or so. Dale Scott was a longtime Major League umpire. He also happens to be gay. So the book is basically the, the juxtaposition of those two things and the way he dealt with his secret life for his career and you know, then subsequently uh, came out and it was an interesting inside story, both of uh, you know being a major league umpire and then leading two lives basically. And he's pretty candid about you know how he uh, he did that, and you know, it, it was really well written, uh, kept me interested the whole way, um, and I, I didn't even I didn't realize this was a story. I remember Dale Scott as an umpire, and that was about the extent of of my knowledge of the whole thing but uh it was also i listened to it on audiobook and he read his own audiobook which is always a nice bonus and uh it uh, probably helped convey the story but uh an unusual book to say the least but everything rob writes is golden and i don't know how much of this credit goes to dale scott and how much goes to rob nyer but either way the umpires out was unlike anything else i'd read and very interesting you talk about that one a lot while you were reading it because you thought about having me read it too yeah, I mean, again, unusual story, kind of bounced between the personal and the professional, and both sides were interesting, to say the least. But uh, Is he still working in Major League Baseball? No, he got out. He got out. Uh, hmm. He retired. He Actually, he had an on-field injury. He had a concussion, and it was the sort of thing where he was nearing retirement. He's probably in his like early 60s now, hmm. and he was thinking another year or two and I'm going anyway. And after the concussion, it was just like, you you don't want to mess around with that. So he went ahead and retired and he, uh, he came out a year or two after he retired, but, uh, Hmm. you know, still, still active within baseball circles. And, uh, again, he's up for two or three decades, uh, a really good umpire and unique story. So Haley, what, uh, other than the book we're going to talk about, what what other stuff have you been reading? Any any recommendations you want to fire up? I have such an eclectic list. I also have three, <clears throat> and they're but well, two of them are short and one of them is long. I've been working on my graduate thesis and have been doing a lot more writing than reading. But the three I have, the first one is called "We Were Once a Family," and it's nonfiction. And I don't know if you'll remember this small news story. Well, it wasn't. It was small as far as headlines go, but it was about a family in or on the West Coast 
California or Oregon that drove off the cliff. It was uh, two moms and their family of adopted kids drove off the cliff um, on the West Coast. And sort of what came out of that was that there were four black adopted kids by two white moms. And the reporter tells the story of how they came to be adopted, how they first got into the foster care system. It was so eye opening. It was so heartbreaking. I learned so much about the foster care system and how it works and how it doesn't work and just what a tragedy it was for the families of the biological, the biological families of these kids. Um, And it was, yes, it was harrowing a very, very important book. I think it was um, somewhat short, but I, I really got a lot out of reading that one. And then the second one is also kind of unusual for me. It was a collection of poetry and it was above ground by Clint Smith. I have it over on my, um, I think, I think it's Clint Smith. Um, and he had written narrative nonfiction. If I could come up with the, the title of his narrative nonfiction, you all would have heard of it, but this is a collection of poetry and it's, it's thematic around parenting. Um, like he has an ode to bedtime or like an ode to the couch (laughs) after bedtime. And it was very accessible. I thought, um, I read it like over a couple of days. It wasn't too like gut wrenching or sad. It was like light, but still very thought provoking. And I don't really read a lot of poetry at all, but it has a really beautiful cover and I, I really enjoyed that one. It helped get me through the month of April. And then the last book I read was called In Memoriam, and it is by Alice Wynn. It was so good. It was so good. It's a World War One novel set during World War One. It starts off at a British boarding school, and you meet these two young boys. I think they're 14 and 15, and their names are Henry Gaunt and Sidney can't remember his last name, but they're, they're best friends. One of them is German and one of them is Jewish. And it's just about the casualties of world war one. It's about their friendship. They, are they friends? Are they more than friends? And you sort of watch them grow up and it's, it's quite graphic. So trigger warnings for violence, like it does not paint any rosy shades over the war and what that does to young men and young boys, but it was about male friendship and it was very funny British, like dry humor. Um, There are some sections in there from the actual like school newspaper. The, the fictional school is called Preshute, the boarding school. And it has a newspaper and there are articles in there and there's um, some poetry in there. There are big Tennyson fans. And anyways, it has a, not really a twist in the middle, but it just surprised me and it was a delight to read. I, I really enjoyed it. So put that one on your, on your list. It's in memoriam by Alice Wynn. I think it is a debut. Mm, so I'm those all three sure. sound fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were all so good. They had to be to keep me interested and to be enough to have my time away from my homework. So yeah. <laughs> Well, but you're done for this semester. I'm done for this semester. I have one final that's like open note, and then I have to make revisions to my thesis and turn that in by this week. But I'm done with classes. We finished on Friday. Yay, so, like, awesome. Yeah. Way Yay. to go. So 
I did want to give you a chance to plug your own uh, book-related venture you put out into the world, your thoughts on your reading list. Tell the folks uh, where they can find that and tell them a little more about it than I just garbled through. <laughs> so my Instagram is read anyways. And someday when I have more free time, I will do better about sending out my Substack, which I started <laughs> probably a year ago. And I think I've sent out one newsletter. So <laughs> that, that's my post-grad school plan. And maybe this summer because I'm not taking any classes, but it's read anyways on Instagram. I have tried to be better about reading backlists, but I'm a sucker for new releases. And Julie and I have such similar tastes as far as yeah. messy family drama and, you know, well-written books. Um, so yes, I, I get a lot of my recommendations from you as well. But Joe, I have a recommendation for you and mm -hmm. it's called A Fever in the Heartland by Timothy Egan. Have you okay. heard of it? I have not. It is about the KKK. So just a little light nonfiction. Yeah, really. <laughs> World War One, the KKK. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what you're gonna read when you're when you're not doing schoolwork. I mean, you're really gonna get into it then, right? My thesis, you all will appreciate this. My thesis is about the uh, about the culture in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I have done so much research about the history of the SBC, mm -hmm. and what I, you know, I did not know growing up about the the eighties and nineties, and just sort of the conservative takeover. Um, which, you know, that's language you can take or leave. But um, I'm like, I need something that's absolutely not, <laughs> not this. So why don't I just read a book about the history? It's actually, so it's about the KKK, but it's about a woman who helps to stop the KKK. It's, it's like late, maybe in the fifties mm -hmm. in India, Indiana. Um, and the author is Timothy Egan. I have not read it yet. I've read like the first two chapters. Um but it, it was really good so far, really well-written. Interesting. Well, I will definitely try to check that out. And in the meanwhile, you said your, your main thing is new releases and you like well-written books. You like uh, literary stories. And that is why you're here today. Well, I mean, other than that, you're cool and you're our friend and all that, but <laughs> you're here to talk about one of those books. Hello, beautiful and Napolitano. Uh, in 500 words or less, no, in however long it takes. Well, <laughs> give, give a vague overview of what this book uh, is about. Because we both read this because of you. Yeah. I was on the fence about this book, and then you really recommended it, and then I read it, and then <laughs> there was one particular part where I remember I walked in and said to Joe, okay, you're going to do this too. <laughs> it's just that good. I feel like it might be on your like top top 10 of forever. Like You have yes. loved it so much. I, I did not read her other book, Dear Edward, which is about um, a young boy who is the only survivor of a plane crash. So I was hesitant going into this because I thought, oh, I don't know if I want like a very emotional heartstrings kind of book. It is about a family of four sisters, the Padovano sisters, and a young man named William who enters their life um, as they are all teenagers and in college and just the the story of their sisterhood their family dynamics William comes from a not a family his both of his parents dealt with grief as he was a child because his young his sister died very young and so they 
his parents were sort of absent from his life. And so he grew up not really knowing what love was. And when he goes to college, he goes to college in Chicago. Y'all correct me if I'm saying any of these things wrong, because it's been a little while since I have read it and I've given it to my mother. So I don't even have the copy of it with me. Um, and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that he and Julia meet and in uh, college and she sort of plucks him out of where he is because of his personality. He is not really a go-getter. And she decides that he is going to become part of their family and he does. And it's about grief and relationships. And one thing that I loved about it was, well, I love so many things about it. And I'll try not to take up the whole rest of the 20 minutes. Um, is that it was, there were some parts that I was like, Oh, why don't they just talk to each other? Like, why are they not speaking to each other? And then I was like, this is how families really are. You know, (laughs) some families are really like this and it was not all like sunshine and rainbows. And especially with the girl's parents, Rose and Charlie, who are just of a different generation. And I thought that how she wrote the parents was really interesting because when you, in the beginning, Charlie feels sort of not vilified, but he's kind of like lazy and like the creative and Rose is, you know, the go-getter and the hard worker. But then at the end, it sort of flips a little bit and you get just all these different perspectives of these people. And there's also a, a really good plot. I didn't find it slow really at all. And I loved the Chicago setting. So I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> there was one point early, I don't know, maybe maybe a quarter of the way in, Joe had taken the kids to piano lessons and he was reading this book while they were taking lessons. And he texted me and he said, I think you were wrong. I do not like this book. And it was still, it was just the character dynamics, like you were saying, because you had to kind of move through it and realize that, yeah, this is these are real people. Mm. Yeah, they and they they do plenty of fighting within that. I, I'll share this, Haley. My my reaction to the end of the book, and I, I'm going to talk about this without explicitly giving a spoiler. We end up with a young woman on a journey, and I found myself thinking about something that Bruce Springsteen had said when he did his show on Broadway about the role of family and about the broken relationships within family. And he talked about mending fences with his father. And he said, the people who come before us can either be ghosts or they can be ancestors. They can either haunt us forever or they can be people who walk along with us on our journey. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this girl went on a trip fearing she was coming to encounter ghosts. And what she found was a whole family worth of ancestors Mm -hmm. who were going to move forward with her. It was such a beautiful ending. Yeah, I, I struggled a third of the way in. At the end, I was like, oh, my gosh, why did this book end? Could we get more? Can we have another 100 pages? And that's always kind of one of my unofficial tests of of fiction. A great novel. I don't want it to end. I feel a little bit robbed because I hit that last page. And this was one of those. I'm just now noticing when you said that, and I don't know if this was intentional or not on the author's part, that that girl that you're talking about sort of re- gets to rewrite William's story from the very beginning as this parentless child. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved all of the interviews with the author. I watched a lot of her interviews with Oprah because she herself like 
tried and failed so many times in the publishing industry and as a writer. And I feel like that just came across on the page. And it felt like she really cares about her craft and the people that she was writing about. And she just seems like a lovely person. And part of me rooting for her made me love the book more. (laughs) And I don't know if that's like, you know, what a good critic does, but (laughs) that's just how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was thinking of like the highlights of reading it when I remembered so much, and this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler, but when William is taking that long walk in the middle of the night, and you all know, having been to Chicago, you can just picture like Lake Michigan and it's dark and how that scene was just so vivid. And it just, it felt inevitable, but also hopeful. You're like, okay, we've reached the bottom. Now, now what? And everything that happened afterwards, because it is a hopeful book about so much sadness. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, I think that's why she wrote it too. She, she said that she wrote it during the pandemic and that she wrote it quickly compared to her other books that she just felt like she had to get it out. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting too. <clears throat> and it's a book with such a strong sense of community. You can totally see that being a, p- a pandemic book when you're missing that kind of connection. And I think that Chicago is the perfect place to set most of this book. Mm-hmm. Joe and I've talked about it a lot. I know you love Chicago too. Just the idea that Chicago is one of the friendliest big cities that mm-hmm. I've ever been in. Um it, it feels totally different from New York, which is where another section of this book takes place. And it seems like both of those settings really represented the plot line of the story well and the characters in the story who chose to be where they were. Hmm. Joe, did you know that there was a basketball storyline before Julie gave you the book? No, I didn't. And, and I totally want to talk about that. I think it's one of the most fascinating things that, that William, this, this familyless boy, finds his family and he finds it on the basketball court and obviously I'm a sports nut this is this is in my DNA but I found myself thinking about how basketball in many ways really is a perfect thing I I wanted to to steal from Ted Lasso and be like basketball is life but but in many ways (laughs) basketball is it's such a a more free-flowing uh improvise i mean i've heard people say basketball is jazz and and you kind of get that here and and you can understand why people relate to each other in deep ways playing this game and and what a difference it makes in his life but but really even apart from sports it's a novel about teams and teams can be families and teams can be your group of people you work with and teams can be your literal team but you know, you you have all of these teams that all of these people identify with very strongly and very deeply. And how do you relate between them and what happens when somebody leaves a team and what happens when somebody can't play a sport anymore? You know, you know this stuff all very much interrelates and, and team as family is one of the big motifs here. And, and I thought that was just such a, a cool idea. I was trying not to shape his expectations too much because I was afraid if I talked about basketball, then he'd be looking for a basketball book. But what was the line, Joe, where you like you knew you were going to love this book? Bill Walton. Bill Walton. Yeah. He's in the hospital. He's been hurt. And he's trying to talk with somebody who just has no frame of reference for him and can't relate to him. And she asks him a question about Bill Walton. And yeah, I was like, 
Cutting some onions. That's pretty darn good. And I would say, Julie, I never thought Bill Walton would make me cry. Who knew? But, uh, but it, it was just a perfect moment of connection. And, you know, as guys, isn't that the joke now that you'll find like two 40 year old guys in a bar being like, hey, remember Will Clark? And they'll do that, but they won't talk about their wife or their kids or you know, anything that means anything. Everything goes through this like pop culture lens. Uh, so that that's the way that that these two characters form a relationship, or the the, the beginning of it, I'll say. Uh, and, and yeah, I would and I think in, in the hands of a lesser talented and experienced writer, it could have felt like too much, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. she was trying to do too much. But it was it was so seamless, and like even his book that he was trying to write about basketball, it just felt so endearing and said so much. He, he was my favorite character. I loved, loved the sisters him. and I loved all of their, their quirks and they were so distinct, but I, I loved him so much. And yes, I would have, I would have read his book about the history of basketball <laughs> that he was trying to write. You're darn right. Yeah. <laughs> And if basketball was one of the big motifs, then art was probably the other one. Mm-hmm. And the way that was used so well throughout the book yes. to echo the whole team thing and the family thing, it was just gorgeous. I wish I could see some of those murals and the and the painting. Yes. Um, yeah. Joe so was good. nervous. He was nervous to read this book because it was kind of touted as like a modern little woman and he never read Little Women. Yeah, but it really, it's its own distinct thing. I think so too. I came across the recommendation from Annie Jones, who's a bookstore owner in Thomasville, Georgia. And she was also, she was hesitant because it was an Oprah pick. And for the same reasons, because she is a, like a little woman purist. Um, And she mentioned that there's a part in the beginning where it kind of acknowledges that they were compared to little women. I don't even really remember noticing Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And maybe because it's been so long since I've Red Little Women. I think it doesn't really do a disservice to the novel because I actually was trying to think of like a classic that it compared to, and A Tree Grows in Brooklyn kind of came to Ooh, mind as far as that's like, a good, yeah, like the vibe and the the tone and um. So I don't think it's a wrong to compare it. It's just I think that maybe limits it in some ways. That's I agree with that. that. No, yeah, I agree. And I think I had, just because I had heard those two mentioned together, and of course the novel uses Little Women, you know, throughout it for comparison. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, and I kind of expected it to be sort of like Little Women, and it surprised me in all the best ways. I was really, it's perfect. It is. I think it helps that we meet William first, and mm-hmm. then we meet the sisters later on. It's not as, it doesn't feel as much of like a retelling and... I do yeah. not think that their mother is anything like Marmy for sure. No, nothing. <laughs> no, not a bit. Um, Joe, is there anything on the list that we wanted to talk about that we skipped? Uh, I think that we have managed to get to a lot of them. I, I, I am going to bring religion into it just because you, you, you've kind of uh, told me how worn out you are on it. I found it interesting. <laughs> it's another uh, like Springsteen kind of moment here these characters are all kind of what I would term non-practicing Catholics. And yet it's like everything they do, their, their Catholicism seems to go with them. There's this specter of like looming guilt that hangs over everybody. Sometimes they acknowledge it, that that this is where it comes from. 
but there's a really cool thing with a saint too, which uh, one character tries to hold up to another as like a figure of judgment. And over the course of the book, it becomes this figure of like power and of sufficiency and maybe redemption. Yeah. Mm. And so, you know, yeah, the, the, uh, the Southern Baptist tradition and Catholic tradition, I think are, are pretty, uh, you know, odds length different, but, it, it kind of hangs over all of these girls, doesn't it? Isn't that an interesting little curly cue of the book? Mm. I think it it says something to just these inherent parts of our family that we don't choose but are born into. And how do we choose to interact with it as we grow up? You know, do we choose to wear it like our parents did? Do we choose to make it our own or do we choose to do something different? And I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It plays such a big role. And I think that that's true for a lot of religions of having an identity as a Catholic, as a Southern Baptist, as a Jewish person. And whether you practice or not, does that, does that make you less like less Southern Baptist, less Catholic or not? You know, right. it's interesting mm-hmm. to think about. Mm. Yeah, that definitely thought that was a cool thing. So ultimately I'm, I'm going to go. It's one of those things where I'm like, what kind of people would like this book? If you like fiction, you're going to like this. If you like a good plot, you're going to like this. I'm going to say if you like sports, you would like it. I mean, I, <laughs> I start to be like, OK, I've hit almost every cross section of, of humanity. Um I just, again, there's going to be a little bit of bear with it because these characters can be a little exasperating. Uh, But at the end of the book, yeah, I did the same thing. I mean, I had judged characters based on their behavior toward their family. And I'm like, you big goof. I had a couple of years where I had a close family member I didn't talk to. Was that any more or less sane than what they did? I don't know. Uh, You know, it's, it's realistic. It may be annoying, but, uh, realism can be that way i guess so that that's really the only thing i was like oh maybe that would bother people if if you expect some higher standard of behavior maybe it will but that's not my life (laughs) right well i want to thank Haley for coming on and joining us enjoyed her picks and again check her out on instagram where i go three times a year but uh, i've I've pulled it up (laughs) i've got it right read anyways that is her that's but right. if you have also, go ahead, Haley. I have to ask you all if you are going to trust Oprah in her next pick, which is the huge um, new book by Abraham Verghese, The Covenant of Water. And if we thought that this was long, Hello Beautiful, her next pick is like 700 pages. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, um, she did read Faulkner a while back. So I'm, I've given Oprah <laughs> a requisite number of bonus points for that. So. I don't know. That that sounds like a check it out though. though. Yeah. Yeah. I like the title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah. And the cover. That's important, right? It is. Oh. Yeah, always. Which is always um, like the worst thing. When the, when they send you a cover and they're like, What about this? And I'm like, Well, sometimes I've really loved it. Sometimes I've been like, Man, that's great. And sometimes I've been like, Really? That's what you got? But I can't <laughs> do any better. So great. Go with it. Mm-mm. Anyway. Julie, I have to ask you, this latest Emily Henry, I haven't read it yet, but where would you rank it? Where would you rank it in your favorite list? All right. Book Lovers was my favorite, and then probably Beach Reads, and then maybe this one. Okay. Okay. So in the middle. I did, I, yeah, I think so. Do you like Emily Henry? I do. I okay. I, I liked, 
I think I liked Beachy the best. That was the first one I read of hers. Mm-hmm. Me too. I have not read People We Meet on Vacation, um, but I really liked Book Lovers, and I was excited for her that this came out in hardback. I feel like she deserves yeah. a hardback release at this point. So and I'm intrigued. Says, no, no, no. She says that the rest of hers will be too. Apparently, so. Oh, okay. Well, good for her. <laughs> I um, I'm intrigued by the main setting. This that it's set in um. Maine during the summer that sounds good to me but I don't know if y'all saw speaking of Instagram I posted a picture yesterday of the like eight books that I have that I I have purchased (laughs) over the past two months I have not read so I will be getting into those I have the new um the author of Ask Again Yes which is one of my favorites of all time Oh, you got it from a library score. <laughs> I, I I rarely pre-order books, but uh, Barnes Noble was having a like a pre-order sale, yeah, and it. I pre-ordered hers, um, The Half Moon, and I've only read like the first ten or fifteen pages, so I'm excited about that one. This I has been too. so fun. <laughs> Thank you thing, so much for being. You two are just like uh, the the fast boats ripping through, and I just ride along in the wake, and. <laughs> guys are like these are the best ones these are the ones you really got to get and <laughs> and and i can just kind of cruise in the back and then pick up all the best ones so i i'm i'm for it is what i'm saying <laughs> well if you need any recommendations about the last 50 years of the southern baptist convention yeah you're the one who recommended jesus and john wayne to us which we found fascinating so I um did I also recommend the making of biblical womanhood have I read that I feel like I maybe have it's similar in size it's like about 200 pages and it's about complementarianism Mm -hmm. and how it came to be like standard theological practice I think we did that we did another book that was along those lines and I was trying to think of what it was it may well have been that it wasn't that one Sure. But I think that I've, yeah, it wasn't that one. But I think I have read that one. And if not, I'm going to go back and look at it again. So. <laughs> I used it as a source in my paper. And so I like reread big sections of it. And it, I just feel like it should be required reading for any evangelical Christian. And anyways, we can have a separate episode uh, <laughs> about that. I am going to send you my paper to look over for me. I have yeah. two wonderful advisors. So you all know I'm at the Presbyterian seminary, right? <laughs> yeah. Not, um, and we had, I didn't really have a defense. Um, I had, it was more of like a conversation. Like I got some feedback about revisions and one of my advisors just wrote on the, I used a sermon of Matt Chandler's and analyzed it um, for like a point of my argument. And she just wrote as one of her comments, arg. (laughs) 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 So anyways, academia, it's a fun place to be. Sorry. No, I'm looking forward to reading it. Send it on. So, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Haley. And again, read anyways on the Instagram and check out her Substack. It's on the uh, the Instagram. I see it, HaleyHolcomb.substack.com. Yes, you uh, can sign up there, even though I am not frequently sending them out. So that would be great. Coming. We're going to spur you on. We're we're going to we're going to make other people do work. That's our, our new life goal. So there you go. Thank you both for having me. Oh, we're so glad. 
for next time, we're not sure what we're reading yet. We're waiting on um, another guest who may be coming for this next time and maybe coming for the time after that. So I'll post it on Instagram when we have our next book and our next guest down. So you'll know then. Otherwise, if any of you have anything that you think we should read, anything that you want to say about the stuff we talked about this week, you can find us by email at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Whatever else you've got going on, even if you're finishing up a thesis, for goodness sake, work some reading into it. Thank you, Haley. And until next time, y'all keep reading. Take care.